Thank you for tuning in to Diaries of a Dawn Plus Questions Answered with me, Chastity Queen, and with me is my slave, CQ's Bunny. How are you today, Bunny? Good, my queen. Good. How about you? Good, good. So today we're going to discuss ethical sadism and answer the question, do sadists have empathy or are they simply psychopaths? So before we begin, I want to share that my link tree is linktree slash chastity queen and all of my socials and my affiliations are listed on my podcast details. So if you want a discount on something at Locked in Lust or at Love Shop Canada, definitely go there for your discounts. Please leave a review for me after the podcast. I certainly appreciate that. And if you wish to leave me a voicemail, you can do that on speakpipe.com slash chastity queen. If you wish to remain anonymous, please state that in your voicemail. I may just use your comments or questions in a future podcast. So feel free to do so. So today uh, it's Halloween and we are going to discuss the darker side of sadism or the darker perception of sadism. (laughs) 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 And many people think that uh, there can be a correlation to sadists and more evil things, more violent tendencies, uh, lack of empathy, all of those things included. And I want to discuss that as I do have a sadistic side. And you know my sadistic side, Bunny. Yes, I do, my queen. Yeah, so we can talk about that. We can talk about my sadism, and we can also discuss other things surrounding trust and uh, emotional intelligence and what being a primal is, uh, as well as how to read your partner, their body language, their voice, what they say in a session to know when you're remaining ethical or you're crossing a line. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, uh, Bunny, when I talk about my sadist, what would you consider is percentage-wise, okay? So you've got myself, so, you know, just the human, right? And then you've got my play side, which is chastity queen, love the chastity, all that. And then I've got my sadistic side. So if you could break it down a little bit for the audience. Well, I would say the the sadistic side might be, I don't know. I think it really depends on the day. Yes. But if you, if in one day, you know, you could have, you could determine a hundred percent for all of my sides so say, you know, there's a pie chart. Yeah. Right? So you're looking at the pie chart and my name's in the middle. How would you separate the pie? How would you cut that pie? I it doesn't have to be exact. I'm just saying according to what you know of me. Um, I have to say the the, the sadist might be ten percent. I don't know. I don't think it's that high, but I think it like on like on a day where you're more <laughs> more sadistic than others, I would say maybe 10%. Um, and then Chastity Queen. Chastity Queen, yeah, that's that's probably... 
I would say that would make up the other half of what's left. Yeah. 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 And then there's just me. Yeah. Right. Because, uh, there's also just my everyday persona, which is pretty, I mean, can you tell the public what my everyday person is like? I would say pretty normal, <laughs> like just a normal everyday person. I mean, that's pretty much how we live our lives. I mean, we have that, we still have like that, that, uh, DS dynamic to it. We, uh, get up, I make you coffee and like breakfast, breakfast. and <laughs> yeah, I don't so, have to tell you to do it. You just do it. I just do it. Yeah. I'm grateful for it. I always, you know, thank you. Or most of the time I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the, di- that dynamic's always there. I would say it's more of a, uh, it's more relaxed at that point. Say if we're in a play session where it's like, yes, yeah, yes. And I was kind of going through, regarding that, I was going through the groups. Uh, the you can go on Fat Life uh, for anybody who has never heard of Fat Life before. It's uh, spelled F E T L I F E, so short for fetish, uh, fat. Life and you go on there. It's free to join. There's no hidden agenda. There's no hidden fees. There's no paywalls. Uh, you can pay extra if you want to uh, view videos, but I don't think it's that much money. It's pretty reasonable. Yeah, I don't think it's that much. I think it's just so they can cover their servers and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's very they're... minimal, right? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah, some people pay it and. <laughs> And you don't have to. I mean, I've never paid it. I, no. I had one person that actually paid it for you. Yeah. Paid my premium, you know, for me, and that was nice. I could see videos, but I don't really watch other people's videos anyway. It doesn't yeah. appeal to me. No, it's not a big deal for me. So it's neither here nor there. But there's tons of information, and it's not just the information, but it's the community, right? Yeah. So you can find people in your local area. You can go to munches. A munches something that you can attend that's not, you know, you don't dress up in fetish wear. You just go to yeah. a pub or a restaurant and you get together with like-minded people or new people that are interested in entering into that world and finding out more details before they take the full plunge. Yeah. Yeah, usually the munches are in a uh, in a pretty vanilla setting. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think uh, the one in Kitchener, Waterloo or whatever – is like in an Eastside Mario's in like one of their back rooms. Well, that's or... a basement. Is it? Yeah, you go down the stairs into oh, the, that's the basement. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I remember so it's not now. in the restaurant. It's like a separate kind of a hall. And uh, yeah. they have a bar there. They have bartenders come down and you can order food from the restaurant mm-hmm. and such. And usually there's a good chunk of people that come. Yeah. Like pre, we're talking pre COVID. I, I, we haven't been since. It's been a while, eh? Yeah. I, I'd like to go again. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. When was last, sometime in 2019? It was before COVID. I remember we went with our uh, hunter boots on, both of us. It was funny. (laughs) We didn't like, you know, get dressed up. It was full fetish. We wore the the boots. You you can kind of sneak this and that, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure I was dressed as a girl, too. Yeah. I mean, hunter boots are not really a sexual thing unless you're in that group of people, then it can become yeah a sexual item, an object, right? Yeah. 
And being dressed as a girl, well, that's not a big deal either. As long as you're not showing too much, right? Yeah. You don't want to have everything. You can't be naked. You yeah. Can't, no. It wasn't like I was wearing lingerie. It was like just... No, you're appropriate. Casual. Casual on femme. Yeah. Yeah. So on uh, FetLife, uh, to get back to that, there's groups that you can look at uh, for pretty much any fetish that you could ever dream of is on there. So, you know, like you could think, well, it's only DS or whatever the case might be. But, you know, you might like ass play. You might like, I don't know, give me some su- some suggestions there, Bunny, of, of the different fetishes that you can be, you know, into completely or interested in. Oh, man. Um, heavy bondage, uh, leather, latex. Yeah. Um, I like you say ass play, um, impact play sensation play yeah let's see it's just so many of them it's kind (laughs) of yeah i mean everything that you can imagine any kind of a sexual act or anything that is within the confines of bdsm is pretty much on the fetish list you can be totally into it you can be curious about it all that yeah yeah but what i'm getting at is so there's groups for design for anybody there. So if you're interested in sadism or masochism or on femme or cross-dressing or chastity or you name it, there's a group page and you'll see how many people follow that group. For example, in sadism, I think it, there's one, there's a number of groups that you can, you can actually create your own group. But um, sadism, there's 98,000, I believe almost 99,000 in the one group alone. Oh, wow. Right? That's a big group. Oh, it is. And that's why it's important to know that there's a community out there, right? So. So, (laughs) if you hear some snoring, that's our uh, little uh, little Chinese crested. She's uh, asleep and just uh, sawing logs. Oh, she's a tiny little thing, but boy, oh boy, does she make a noise when she's sleeping. It's unbelievable. It's like, she must have a, I think she has a deviated septum because. Oh, she sounds like a chainsaw when she's sleeping. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. It's like the chainsaw massacre, you know, you wake up thinking there's someone holding the chainsaw above your head and it's just her sleeping heavily in her, her happy doggy REM sleep, you know? Yeah. So nonetheless, what I was going to say is that, yeah, you know, um, when I was reading in the sadistic group, there was some discussion about labels, how it's not good to put a label on something, which in society, you know, to a degree, that's true. That's very true. But um, one person said something very truthful is that labels are important because it's a way to find out and identify who you are. Yeah, I would agree to that. I mean, I get where people who say I don't like labels com- is coming from, but at the same degree, you kind of have to know so you're not... I mean, I feel if there's no labels, you're completely ignorant of things. Yeah, I mean, hey, some people, for example, in Vanilla Land... All they consider them is a, you know, themselves is a, a wife, a mother, a woman, 
I'm just going from the female perspective. Yeah. And they haven't explored, well, is there more to me under the under those labels? Well, that's what I that's what I was uh I want to say too is it's it's more of a starting point than an actual like and a, a end all be all. Right. You you don't live within your label. Yeah. So basically you can say, well, I can identify with being a sadist, but that doesn't make me who I am. Yeah. Right? So for example, somebody who's new, okay, you're new to the world, you're excited, you're you're intrigued, you're curious about it from the perspective of an outsider looking in and thinking, well, oh my gosh, how is that person this and that and the other? How did they get there? How did they end up in a place of such joy and happiness and fulfillment in their life, right? Yeah. And then you start to explore. And part of that exploration, and a lot of people, the first thing they do when they come on FetLife or if they're interested in BDSM is they take the test. Yeah. Right? Yep. <laughs> Out of complete curiosity. Yeah, exactly. And they answer it as honestly as they can. Mm-hmm. Right? Not always knowing the answer to every question. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that te- what the test is called. What's it called? Oh, I can't You just remember. look it up online. Look under BDSM test. I think the fun, I think it's, I first found out about it just by like, perusing people's profiles yeah. and seeing this thing. I'm like, oh, what is this? And I'm like, it just stirred my curiosity. And usually people have a link to it at the end of it. And you just do it and copy so, and paste your results. Well, here it is. I, I found it. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. Um, or at least one of them anyway. It's uh, bdsmtest.org. So B-D-S-M test, all one word, dot org. And then you can go in and say, you know, I want to test anonymously or I want to log in. So you can test anonymously, right? And you got to prove you're not a robot. And then you go in and you answer all of the questions. And then it'll come up with percentages, which is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I think on my FetLife, I am, have the, some of the top percentages for mine. And what were some of yours, Bunny, like at the beginning of oh, yours? I know real. when I first met you, Rope Bunny was one of them. Yeah, I think that was way up there. Um, submissive was, I believe, a very high one. Yes. Uh, masochist. Yeah. Strangely enough, I think sadism was fairly high up. <laughs> Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, usually those go hand in hand. Sadist and masochism, they usually go hand in hand. Yeah. It's it's kind of funny how that one works. Right. It's symbiotic in a way. Yeah. Like like you said, I think uh you mentioned in a uh earlier podcast or one that we never actually posted maybe. I'm not I I can't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> that um yeah, you actually at one point under certain circumstances did enjoy being on the other end. Yeah, so I found that I like to experience what other people feel. Yeah. Because and and I'm talking physically and I'm because I'm empathetic. Yes. And uh, when you're a dom, that's a very powerful thing is that to be able to know what you're doing to somebody else and how that feels yeah, gives you a more of a, a richer dimension to that play. 
Yeah. Um, it's also great to know from that, like to actually know how the, like a tool feels. So you, so you yourself can know how to use it. Correctly. Yeah. Correctly. Yeah. Cause then, yeah, you have that, you know, like, you know, you're, if you go, like, if you go too hard or something, you know how it's going to feel or. Well, in a lot of events, they will say, for example, uh, Club Edge did a taste test. So yeah. they had different work uh, stations, different uh, sort of like, uh, what would you call that? A scene. Uh, demonstrations. I would yeah, little them. little demos. So little demos. So uh, one was paddles, one was whips, one mm-hmm. was, and what, uh, what Sir John would do is he would, have somebody who's an ex- expert or general expert or yep. knowledgeable about safe zones and all that yep. as the person, the, the giver, mm-hmm. uh, the person there that's showing you what that is like. And they go, of course, go through all the safe words and that before you, you do mm-hmm. a little demo. Yes. It's like a taste test at Costco. Yeah. Right. That's the best Except way to it's it. impact tools. Yeah. And we did sensation play. We did, paddles we did a bunch of different things Mm -hmm. and i think that serves the community really well because you might have never experienced a paddle before yeah and you love it Mm -hmm. and the same goes for any other tool or you might be or might be the opposite sit there and say you're really interested and you've seen it but you never experienced it then you realize how much it hurts oh i I, oh i didn't like it (laughs) yeah i mean that's the thing it's like it it hurts. It's, uh, well, it's not even about the pain. It can be also about how you respond to that being administered to you. So yeah, if you're a child who got belted and paddled, very true. you know, if somebody belts me or paddles me, I recall, you know, my father's really thick engraved leather belts yeah, hitting me on the backside because they were very, you know, Bible, orientated and or oriented and they believed in discipline yeah so, which was quite common in the 70s and 80s you know so and even be well well before that too of course and it still happens now not so much but no right but when i grew up i tried to behave myself as best as i could because i didn't like my bare ass being whipped it really hurt. And he didn't just do one or two whips, right? Like it was like 10 yeah. or more, depending on what I had done, you know, or how angry he was at the time. Yeah. So for me, it's not about the pain. It's about remembering yeah. the pain. But what I'm saying is like um, for someone who's like, who hasn't experienced it yet and they don't really realize like the, like how much something like that actually does hurt. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good lesson in if you're a Dom. Yeah. You know, if I do that, if I use that paddle on the same portion of skin 10 times in a row, that's a lot. Yeah. Cause again, it becomes more sensitive in the areas, more blood comes in. Yeah, but it depends on the paddle too. Yeah. Right. There's thinner paddles. There's thicker paddles. There's paddles with holes in them. Yep. Uh, which give more, uh, they're a lot quicker. 
Mm-hmm. Right? There's a lot more airflow through, so you can deliver it faster. Yeah, it doesn't displace as much air. Right. Say, like a full flat, like wide one would. There's paddles with um, metal studs, which yep. will leave a specific marking on you. Yep. And being marked for, for somebody who's a masochist <laughs> is a great, exciting thing. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, from both sides, it's actually kind of a, uh, at least for us, it's kind of a uh, it's a point of pride. Yes, as long as it's delivered correctly, yeah. then it's like, oh, look at me, you know? Like, yeah, for you, you're like, you're prideful because you're like, hey, I did that. I left. That's my mark. I left. Yeah. And for me, it's more like I took it and I got a mark. <laughs> and it and it feels like, it, to me, I, I look at it as a point of pride that I got, got marked up. Yeah. And I don't mark easily, so. No, you don't. That's also a nice, that's also adds into the point of pride too for both of us yes it does and i mean there, there is a limit of course because of course. if somebody doesn't mark just because they're not marking doesn't mean you're not hurting them yeah exactly so you have to use logic in that in that venue but uh so i went on to my fet life just to look at my top 10 results from the bdsm test.org and i'm 100 percent master mistress yep 100% dominant, 100% rigor, 100% degrader. Like I, when it says rigor, I love to rope. do rope. I love to tie and bind and restrain. Yeah. Uh, 100% degrader. I don't know if I said that, but there it is again. 98% primal hunter. So that's the primal I was talking about earlier. So it's like. That makes sense. The hunter versus the hunted. So I like to hunt my prey and take it down per se, not in the you know real form of hunting, but <laughs> hunting for a partner, hunting Wait, for. You're the one who approached me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ninety-four percent owner, ninety-four percent sadist, eighty-four percent exhibitionist, seventy-six percent experimentalist, and seventy-two percent brat tamer so that's my top 10 so you can list that on your new fat life if you start a profile you can put your top 10 and what that does is that enables others when they look at your profile about me to to say that person's for me or that person's not for me yeah i find when you answer it very honestly yeah it gives you very accurate feedback Absolutely. So uh, when I get into talking about sadism, I'll talk about some of the things that I enjoy. And I'm going to talk about one thing that I didn't initially enjoy very much, or I didn't even want to partake in it. Actually, two things I'm going to say. Uh, One is CBT. So cock and ball torture. That was something that I had a partner that's wife did the CBT on him and I didn't quite understand what that was all about. So I didn't quite, I couldn't relate. I mean, I could understand given like your, your feelings about male genitalia. Yes. Well, explain what the feelings are. Well, given the, your, your cult upbringing, you kind of, you didn't, you kind of didn't really. No, I was repulsed. You're repulsed by it, exactly. So, 
yeah, you're kind of CBT does require a lot of actual touching interaction interaction with male genitalia yes with the penis so and the balls so yeah that's totally understandable from your point of view well and i think that that's a lot of reasons why i enjoy chastity because i don't particularly find the male genitals to be attractive at all yeah which might be offensive to people to hear but that's just how i was brought up i was Brought up in a very sexually repressed cult. So mm-hmm. sex was between two married people, man and a woman only. And there's no oral, there's no anal. There, it's very restrictive. Yeah. So it's basically for producing a child or mm-hmm. just as a man and woman expressing their love in a deeper manner, right? Yes. And it just was a massive source of repulsion for me as a as a child obviously but growing into puberty i didn't even want to talk about my experiences getting going through that i don't even like talking about it now well that's i mean i will say that as a as a teenager going or preteen and all that stuff nor under normal circumstances that's a very awkward time for most people they even growing up in a as in a liberal family, in a liberal thought, you you have this tendency. It's still very awkward. It's still something you don't feel comfortable talking about. Right. There, there is normalcy to it. Yes. To, to not wanting to talk about it. Yes. But then you add in the whole super conservative religious background to it. And all of a sudden, it's like something that's awkward yeah. to even regard or even to think about or talk about as a teenager becomes super, super awkward as you grow up. Because if you grow up more liberal with liberal thinking, you tend to just, it gets normalized. You don't really think about it so much. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not a, so much an embarrassment to discuss after a while. You kind of get yeah. used to it and you're not, you're not received by your parents in a negative or suppressing manner. No. Yeah. I think that's I think that's one area where it's like I I I myself matured um very healthily. Good. So you weren't like out there at a young teenage age experimenting with sexuality and all no, that. No, right? I honestly I I didn't lose my virginity until I was 21. Yeah, and there, and that and that's fine. I mean, you know, that's how that's when you were ready. Yeah. I mean, and again, it's like my my parents never said like, "Oh, yeah, you know, like you're not allowed." <laughs> you're not allowed to, like it it was never it was no. never discouraged. No. Like it was left just, up to you. Yeah, like exploring my sexuality was never discouraged. So, yeah. Well, I mean, even things like homosexuality within that cult, it's uh it was very vilified and negative and bad. You yeah. know, it was all related to they often related it to Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible. Yeah. So, I couldn't even explore whether or not I had those inclinations 
or those desires. I, I, I already told myself that, well, that's bad. Mm-hmm. And masturbation was bad. I couldn't do that. Yeah. Right. And I still had those feelings in my body. Like, I mean, it yeah. was there. Yeah. It's natural. It's natural. And I kind of secretly explored that, but nobody would have known it, I don't think. And I felt like really ashamed. Yeah. And that's the difference, right? I mean, I was never felt, never made to feel ashamed for for exploring my like sexuality again like yeah and that's my healthy. mom my mom even said like that's that's normal like you don't yeah don't no don't worry about it don't worry about it <laughs> and that's great wouldn't it be wonderful if we all had family lives like that but it's not realistic to believe that because there's so much repression and extremism in the world right now yeah and this is one thing this is why I wanted to talk about sadism a bit today is that yesterday I just, I've got this sadistic side of myself. And so I'm still struggling with it in a way. And at one point I just decided, screw it. I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to have my, my more sadistic side out, you know, for those who only for those who are more extreme degrees, you know? Yeah. And I did my first episode and I don't know, I've been struggling with it being out there in the ether, you know, out there in the world, out there floating around for people because there's so much negativity in the world right now that I just don't want to add to that and fuel it. And that's not what sadism is about. And sadists aren't necessarily negative people. No. But it's this is about what I'm talking about is my own level of shame you know, I mean, I've started having shame since I was early enough to know what shame yeah. was. Yeah. Like if I did something wrong, I got punished. So shame is like just very common al- a commonality for me. Yeah. I love being able to express myself to people. And you've been enjoying it too with me. Yeah. Now that we're doing it a bit more together. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I already said I actually very to you actually almost every time we do podcasts, I actually enjoy doing this a lot. Yeah, it's nice to get feedback from a dom and a and a slave. Yeah, yeah, I mean that that's um, it's great because you get like the both perspectives, and you do need both perspectives. Yeah, from the the viewpoint of the listener as a maybe as a person that is more dominant, you kind of want to hear what the response is by a submissive to my questions, my dominant questions and vice versa. So I decided, okay, I still need to have my sadist side, but I decided I'm going to shut down my sadistic succubus podcast just for now, because I need to resolve some things in my mind first. And I need my message that gets out to the world to be one of love and of growth and not of name calling. Yeah. I mean, I see where you're coming from. I mean, I get, I get both sides of it, to be honest. I mean, I get why you feel the need to do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's totally understandable. But on the other end, I get, 
also why you want to shelve it for now. Well, it needs to be kept more intimate. So if I'm able to interact with somebody in a sadist scene, I'm still willing to do that. I'm not going to put that away. Yeah, for sure. Right. Or if we do a CBT, for example, we were talking about CBT. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoy it now. Yeah. Right. Like I really enjoy it, but for a long time there, I wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole. Mm -hmm. Right. Not just because of the, the genital, but just because I also was afraid that I might hurt you or I might like physically hurt that area. So I had to learn more about the dynamics of CBT. And once I got into it more seriously, I realized a lot of men enjoy it. So it's not a source of just simple pain for them. Mm -hmm. It's about pleasure. And that's where pain can be pleasurable. Well, that's where your sadist side also started enjoying it too. Because you're you're like, oh, I can inflict pain on (laughs) on the male genitalia and it's I enjoy it and they enjoy it. Well, and I did I didn't want it to come from a place of hatred either. Yeah. No, right? I Because I was surrounded by mis- misogyny. And, and I get that, too, I mean. Yeah. So I didn't want to start doing that and allow that. You know, sometimes you're driven by hatred or mm-hmm. you're driven by a certain emotion. You're driven by love. Yeah. You're driven by jealousy. You're driven by um, a lot of times emotions drive actions. So yeah. I always think about, well, how are my actions driven? Yeah, and that's that's a good way of thinking about it. I mean, yeah, to then thinking about how you did um did it that way. Um Yeah. 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 What emotion <laughs> I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought. No, it's okay. What emotion is in the driver's seat, basically? Yeah, yeah. You can't just uh Yeah, just doing it for the sake of hurting someone you feel it's like oh okay i just want to hurt someone because i didn't like i don't like men i don't example. like men yeah yeah and you realize that and you start thinking is that is that my motivation and then you're like well maybe that's not the best thing to do if i right <laughs> right and that's why we're talking about sadism in an ethical manner uh and also the question about well are sadists psychopaths and I can say there's probably, you know, uh, I don't even want to say one out of 10. Oh, no, I, you I know, don't even think Not even that. Like maybe one in a hundred. If that, I mean, it's, yeah. So let's be clear. The definition of a psychopath is someone who doesn't feel em- empathy for others. Yeah. Yeah. When you mix psychopathy with, emp- or with uh, sadism, you pr- I mean, let's be honest, you'll end up pretty much with, a serial killer in yes. a lot of cases or someone who just doesn't give a shit about who they screw over. Right. And that seems to be something that everybody's so intrigued by, you know, um, I'm not even going to say the name cause I don't want to give him any, any, um, momentum. Right. Yeah. But there are many different psychopaths, uh, that are now almost being celebrated. And I just think it's, I know it's a twisted curiosity, why would somebody do that? But I think it's very dangerous to get too invested in that uh, mm-hmm. because if you start to look at that, yes, you can protect yourself by learn it through learning mm-hmm. and to identify a person like that. But uh, psychopaths tend to be very uh, good manipulators. 
Yeah. Right? So there can be that concern that, well, what if I go into BDSM and there is a psychopath and I end up with a psychopath, what do I do? Yeah. Right? So, but there's a definite difference between a person that has or enjoys sadism versus a psychopath, okay? And you always, if you go into a scene with a sadist, there always has to be consent. Yeah. And there has to be Mm pre-negotiation. And there has to be safe words, Mm -hmm. right? But most of all, with sadists, they need a masochist that trusts them. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, if you have like a sadistic psychopath being a dom or something, it's like, they're, yeah, you can't really trust them because you know they're probably going to do something like for their own benefit. For their own benefit. Right. Well, it is only for them. It's only for them. They don't, like I said, yeah. it's like empathy is what divide, which is pretty, mu- the lack of empathy is pretty much the the main factor of determining a psychopath. Right. And I think that based on my research and uh, what a lot of sadists themselves have said uh, in those groups, and I've read a lot about that, is that without empathy, you don't have power. Yeah. That is the powerful tool you can have, is that that empathy. Because when you have an understanding of your partner, yeah. And you have an understanding of what they're going through or what how they're healing through masochism, then you can utilize those things to be a really powerful sadist, but a powerful partner. And it allows you to read your partner. Yeah. Having that empathy. Yes, it does. And it also allows you to stop when necessary. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, okay, um... Sadism can be, for somebody like me, is a sexual expression. It can also be a sexual attraction. It can be a sexual experience. Yeah. But a lot of it, too, is about pain. So Mm -hmm. it's not involving, you know, dildos and all that kind of stuff. It's not about doing things that are violent. Mm -hmm. It's about using your tools to get off, basically. Just like a masochist gets off on being the bottom. Yes. The top is getting off on being the top. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, when you have when you have a couple who who match on that level, when you have a sadist with a masochist, you're just adding another dimension to your partnership. Your partnership. I mean, yeah, you're both getting satisfied yes. in a well, a um like a non-sexual well, venue. And in a way, it is sexual, in a sense. It, yeah, it is, but it's mentally sexual. Yeah, it's yeah, it's way more uh, nuanced than just the, uh, you know, stick your dick in the pussy or wherever and uh, yeah. and get off. Yeah, it's, it's a lot more complex, really. Yeah. And yet it's very simple. Yeah. <laughs> That's- right? How your bottom reacts to the implements that you're using that you want to use based on the pre-negotiation is powerful. So if that tool is effective in making your bottom, you know, moan or, or screech or yell or, or yelp, then you get off on that. Yeah. I mean, I always enjoy it 
when uh, I have no idea what you're using. <laughs> yeah, you like the deprivation. The the visual deprivation is nice for you. Oh yeah, because when I'm doing a session on you, and you know, even when we're doing it at an event, you don't know what's coming next. You don't know what tool I'm going to use. Uh huh. Right. Um, I think the last time we tried that, it you uh, you insisted on packing the uh, bag yourself. Yes, and. I had no idea what you packed, which I absolutely loved. Yes. I love the idea of that. I was just like, yes. Yes, because there's there was a time when I'd let you kind of choose the tools that you felt like yeah. you wanted me to use that day. Yeah. And, it, you know, that shows some consideration for the needs of a person's part, like for my partner. I'm, yeah, I'm being yeah. considerate of the things that you need because you can't always read what a person feels like using when you have 200 impact tools <laughs> you can't up. get through it you can't and, use them all you know you well i mean no it's just good. silly it's silly yeah so to say to your slave or submissive well you've been good so go and pick the tools you want me to use tonight yeah that's just showing consideration but yeah uh on the sadistic side of things like we've not been able to play as much dungeon wise and that's caused me to want to really make the most of those times and yeah. pick my tools. Yeah. And you not knowing what they are is great because then oh. it leaves me in full charge. I love it. Because, again, from my point of view, when it's happening and you're hitting me with something, even when I did know what tools were in there, it's actually it's an interesting mental exercise from the from my point of view of trying to figure out what tool it actually is. Yes, it is good. <laughs> because I I find myself sitting there trying to analyze it cuz I I I'm just an analytical type person. I I I find myself analyzing that tool and trying to figure out what it is yeah. and what are, <laughs> And sometimes I'm not even I I'm dead wrong. Like I sat there and said, oh, you used that at the end. Oh, man. That's right. So that's what that was. Right. So it, it's kind of like a bag of surprises. Yeah. And it's exciting because I, I love just giving up my control like that. Yes. And I mean, of course, all 200 items hanging in a dungeon are all items that you've at least had tried on you once. Yeah. So I know that they're all safe. They're mm -hmm. not on your you know, hard limit list yeah, at all. So I can pretty much interchange any of the items and mix and match to my, to my desire. Yeah. Yeah. But, and even things such as like nipple torture, mm -hmm. you know, when you use that word torture, everybody starts to be up in arms. <laughs> like it's, as I said one other time, and I haven't, I don't think I've said that, in an episode, I said it off off mic, but to me, impact play is like music. You yeah. don't just go in and, and headbang for the whole no session. It's a dance. Right? Yeah, there's ups and downs, and there's beautiful innuendos and orchestral music and drumming and tapping and tipping and whistling and light stuff and soft stuff. and. Yep. And when you coordinate all of those things in a beautiful melody, then it's very powerful. And that's where you get a, a slave into subspace. If you just go in there and you, they know all you're going to do is whip the same whip 
mm-hmm. at the same spots for an hour. Yeah. It's pretty boring. Yeah. I, like I said, I love the variety. I love not knowing what's coming next. It's it, it just makes it way more exciting. Being creative is... Oh, my dog's having a dream. <laughs> She's barking at something in her dream. If you can hear it. Wow, she's in deep REM sleep right now. Oh, yeah. She's got her little plaid jacket on that she goes outside in with a little hood, a little fluffy hood. <laughs> and she's the best thing ever. Yeah, because it's raining here. She refi- Well, we tried to take her out. She refused to be outside and go to the bathroom. So she hasn't done that all morning. Yeah. So it's just lovely, you know, doing this serious podcast on sadism while my dog uh, snores and and uh, dreams in her sleep. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, it's funny. It just adds a little bit to it. Yeah, a little layer. A little, a little layer of, uh, of... Of humanity, right? Yeah. Of dog-manity. Dog-manity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, you know, I, I think that the consensus is that sadists are very empathetic. Yeah. And sometimes they're even more so. I would agree to that for sure because, I mean, to make a... To make a good dom, you do have to be very like attentive to your uh, to your submissive. Yeah, and the most powerful submissives, the most uh, exacting, are the ones that can read a slave. Yeah, and bring him to his knees. You know, uh-huh. the one that the one that uh, can, and usually I, I, you're pretty good at doing this. You're pretty good at figuring out. I am at my uh, limit. I, I'm at my limit before I do. Yes, I don't like to go uh, get to that level where you're completely, yeah, and utterly wrecked. I it, it's the end game is you know I'm a service top, and a lot of sadists will call themselves that. So that might sound almost completely opposite to what a sadist would be mm-hmm. in service to somebody, right? Yeah. You think of a sadist who's cold-hearted, uh, a mean woman or a mean man, evil, all these like really weird judgments, right? Yeah. Which we were trying to demystify BDSM yeah. in our podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's really important to know that a lot of sadists are service tops and they're still getting off. They're still yeah. serving themselves. Yeah. It, it's a mutual thing, right? I mean, you, you, it's like the bottom's getting what they want and the top's getting what they want. Yeah. So you, you actually search out like in, in any relationship or any dating scene or as a single individual, you are searching out somebody that matches your style. So in BDSM, you know, if you love pain play, you're going to look for a partner who enjoys pain play. Mm-hmm. And who enjoys receiving it. Yeah. And that's why on Fat Life it's cool because it's they'll have, um, for example, sadists. So you could be somebody who enjoys giving, receiving, or everything about it. Right? Yep. And so you know that when you look at somebody and they have sadist as their fetish, that they may not necessarily be a sadist, but they enjoy receiving it. Mm-hmm. Right? They enjoy receiving sadism. Or they enjoy everything about it because... They're a sadist, or they they enjoy giving yeah. a sadistic scene. So I think it's important to have these communities where we can 
go in and explore who we are. And it can start off with thinking, well, when I first went into fat life, I listed myself as a switch. Okay. And because I kind of still liked the penetration side of things, right? But I also had a dominance to me. Yeah. And I was still trying to get out of my submissive headspace from being in the cult all my life and being basically raised to be a wife, a mother, mm-hmm. uh, a, 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 you know, kitchen witch, basically. Yeah. You know, and just in there cooking and cleaning and being the the best wife and supporter of the, of the male gender that I could be. And though I had a very good husband who didn't push his headship on me. No. That was the structure of the cult. Yeah. So I initially said switch because I didn't want to completely say I was dominant at that point. Yeah, because it's almost, uh, yeah, it's looked down upon. And like, we, I mean, we ourselves have looked deeply into into the into this cult and everything and uh and yeah it's very it's frowned upon when women uh assert power in it oh you're not allowed to yeah you can't even pray unless you have a head covering if you're the only woman in a in a a meeting you know by chance one of their small meetings or out to preach you know and you're the only woman there you have to wear a head covering before you can even oh, really? say a prayer. Yeah. I didn't know. That. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you had to have a head covering. So it could be a scarf, whatever it is. But whoever was there that said the prayer and made the arrangements took over the man's headship and had to wear a head covering out of respect. So oh. it was uh, just drilled into my head. Yeah. You know? Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of research into this call, and yeah, we're not, you're not really ready to tell which one it was. I mean, people can suppose what it is. I've told maybe just only close people, but I don't want to go vilifying uh, a group of people that seem so sweet, you know? Like the general population of that, well, the general, I don't know, what do you call them? Congregants. Yeah. The organization, the members of that organization, the the people who are the sheep, you know, uh, generally they're good people, but they've been brainwashed. And I, so I don't want to vilify people that are, are victims of the men who are controlling them. And yeah. I know that everybody has a mind of their own, but at the same time, when you come from an organization where most people were born in, you have generations and generations of, you know, tradition. And so I don't want to vilify them as a group because I think they want the individuals think they're doing a good thing. But when you really deconstruct it, you realize how damaging and detrimental it is to children's growth, to the safety of children, Mm -hmm. to the safety of women in marriages that are toxic they're not allowed to get a divorcing unless there is a, you know, adultery. And so there's women that are dealing with domestic abuse and they think that if they're just a really good Christian wife, that maybe their husband will change. Yeah. And 
it goes deeper and darker. And so, you know, even in that context, there was a lot of black and white. So, you know, dark and light. So you're good only if you do this, that, and the other. But if you do anything deviant to that, you are worshiping the devil or satanic. And so I think that's where I have a hard time really letting my sadistic side show and be free because I do have extreme empathy. So that's the binding thing that's positive. Yeah. But I also have the worry that am I starting to bow to Satan? Am I going to be become evil or am I taking on devilish, a devilish persona? Right. And for me, my status is very playful. I like to do tickle torture. I, I get a lot of joy and I guess there's some mixed feelings in my mind about what's wrong with me. A lot of sadists have that feeling. And so they won't come out as wanting to play in that role. Yeah. And like I said, I've, I mean, I've experienced your sadistic side and your sadistic side is very, like you said, very playful, at least, at least with me anyway. (laughs) Oh, with others too. I've had many sadistic scenes and I think that's the one thing that I miss from doing doming as regularly as I used to is that I can't interact with people that come to me and say, mistress, I want you to, you know, whip me and spank me and paddle me and strip me down, you know, emotionally because you're the, you're the female superior. And I worship that to every end you know, front, back, and sideways. I just love it. And so being able to just be free and be myself in the that context was, it was like clearing out the cobwebs of constant anal, an, constantly analyzing myself, right? Yeah, that makes sense. And in the cult, I had to analyze all of my actions. Even my thoughts had to be analyzed. Yeah. So it makes me a good dom in that consent and negotiations and all that are something that I, I know how to do. It's, it comes naturally to me to consider other people's feelings and all of the aspects of a scene, but to be able to go into a scene where somebody says, you know, my, my only hard limits are this, that, and the other. Otherwise it's a free for all have fun. And if I need to use my safe word, I will, but I probably won't because I love sadists. And to have somebody say that to me is a freeing experience because I don't have to feel so pressured and accountable all the time. It's, and it's not about not being accountable. I trust myself and that person trusted me and trusts me. You know, those people trusted me, but to be able to just be in a sadist scene with the logic still running me where I know that if somebody says yellow, we talk about it yeah, or red and I stop like it, it ends the scene completely. It's a, it's an amazing euphoric feeling of this. It's like an open field of freedom for my mind. I'm not constricted. I'm not worried that I'm hurting somebody's feelings. I'm not worried that 
I'm going to suffer some backlash in my relationship afterwards for it, you know, and that's why I don't want to engage with you with it so much because I don't know. I just, it's being ethical. You can be ethical in any scene that you have, right? Yeah. Whether you're sadist or not. So, I think ethics stands. It's a human human rights thing. I mean, it's you, you can be ethical and be sadistic. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I just decided I'm going to step back from the the sadistic side, the the soul-stripping verbal humiliation in front of you know, the world on a podcast because I don't want to be judged. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't want to be judged. And I do have this other side of me that is my 80% or, you know, of myself that's chastity queen. Yeah. Who, which I'm really, it's a hundred percent of who I am. You know, the sadistic part is my playtime. Yeah. It's my side space, but it's a safe space too, but it has to be with the right people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. And so I'm still kind of searching for the ability to do that now in my life as I speak. Now I'm doing more so podcasting and and that and going to the odd event. Uh, but I'm not able to play as a sadist. And I know you would do that for me if I asked it of you. Yeah. Right, because you trust me. Mm-hmm. But... I think as a sadist, you have to have your own set of rules for who you play with and how you engage. And, you know, I want to go into something where I can humiliate somebody in an extreme manner. Yeah. And they walk away feeling good about it. Yeah. And because of your past and your father being somewhat humiliating to you, yeah, there's certain triggers there that it's it doesn't it doesn't out. sit well. Yeah, it's like it like the free flow the free flow that you that you crave, I can't really do. No, you can't provide it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, That's I fine. could I would if I could, but as it's just it is what it is, right? Well, and I'm smart enough to know that those would be a trigger for you. Yeah. And I don't want an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I mean, this is like, <laughs> we just want our relationship to strengthen. And I think we do that every day. And I, and you don't want to destroy a relationship because you have 10% of your, your psyche wants something. Yeah. Right. And that's a lot of men came to see me and 10% of them wanted, you know, a moment to dress up and then the rest of their day was fine. They, mm-hmm. they didn't need, you know, for two months or three months after they didn't need that. Yeah. Just because you have a side that is completely separate to your day-to-day day-to-day side doesn't mean it's wrong, right? Yeah. And I mean, again, like, I think that speaks to pretty much the entire BDSM community. I think every – well, I wouldn't say every single one, but I would say the vast majority of people who are into BDSM have that that kind of almost a duality to them. Where it's like 
you have your regular vanilla life where you go to work and you don't sit there and say, Hey, I, uh, I, uh, had a uh, woman, uh, clamp my balls and, and put nipple clamps on me and, <laughs> and yeah. throw lipstick on me. Like, Just as a sadist would go out, they wouldn't go out for a walk and start whipping somebody with their, their most intense whip. Yeah. You know, randomly. Just because they're sadistic. I mean, that's just ludicrous, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that. That's the definition of insane. Yeah. You're, you're that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's like, yeah, that's insane because you just go out and decide, ah, you know what? Yeah. And so we need to separate sexual sadism, you know, in ethically in BDSM from psychopathy. Yeah. There's a huge, huge difference. Huge difference, yeah. And we, as we discussed, yeah, most most doms in BDSM are very empathetic, and like I said, that that's the big separator between a uh, a sadistic psychopath and just a sadistic uh, dom dominant. A good dom will have govern governance over her own thoughts. So I sit here and I think, well, okay. How is that podcast helping others? Yeah. Right? And if the majority of people won't understand it, even if I say don't listen to it, they're going to listen to it anyway. I don't want people looking at me like I'm some sort of a psychopath, basically. Right? Don't want to be judged as that. No, you won't be. I mean, and if the people who do do that, they're they just are ignorant. They don't understand it, and they don't want to understand it. And those ignorant few are the dangerous ones that I yeah, worry about. Unfortunately, and yes. so when you have ignorance, and when you have people that do not understand BDSM mm-hmm. or the nuanced, you know, subjective behaviors that are involved in the multi-dimensional individuals that exist in this on this planet, we all have many different dimensions, not even just two. Yeah. You know, you can have a handful, you can have a dozen, you can have two dozen dimensions to who you are. Yeah. Right? And they can all be beautiful things that in combination make make up the individual who is, is wonderful. Yeah. Right? And sometimes we do need to snuff out a certain side of ourselves that is going to negatively impact others. Yeah. Right? And so you have to really do an audit of your personality and say, and that sounds so Scientologist, doesn't it? Yeah, but I get where you're coming from. Yeah, you kind of, you look I'm not. Yourself. I'm not a Scientologist, never have yeah. been. Yeah, Okay, it's... <laughs> just so everybody, if they wonder if that's the cult, no. No, it's not. And that's not why I said audit, but I like the fact that you should look at your personality and say, these are the things I really like. And these are the things I need to tweak. Yeah. I need to adjust them a little bit. You know, I need to take them into the tuning tool and just tune them a little bit because it's too much, too scratchy in the output. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, and it doesn't mean that we're going to end up being the perfect person. No, but you make those adjustments. I mean, that's, I mean, that really, I mean, that's the measure of an intelligent person or intelligence is your ability to adapt. Yeah. 
learn and adapt. I mean, it's not your ability to to um, gather and hold on to information. I mean, pretty much anyone can do that. Yeah, it's what you do, how you act upon that information. Yeah, your ability to adapt to a situation. If you're given a problem and your ability to solve that problem is basically, that that's really the measure of intelligence. And the humility to say, I was wrong. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, I I had a post that I put out yesterday about choosing love and that I've I've been in that place of hate and I've been in that place of, in a place of love and I choose love and yeah. I felt hate and I've hate, I felt love and I want to be in the place of love. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that my sadistic side isn't loving. It is actually. Right. Yeah. Well, but exactly. it's my playtime. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would just say that it, it comes from a place of love, especially when we're playing. I mean, <laughs> like, but I have found a, I have found something that has happened to me in other places place is not with you no i get it but um where i have been true to my sadist and i've had conversations with people and they claim to be you know emotional masochists and they don't mind the, the pain as well and i'll question them about something in a very sadistic manner yeah and they take offense yeah and then i think well what's the point and just being that sadist for that moment, yeah, in time with that person who consents to this, you know they can't cope with it. And then what happens is they come back a couple of days later and they're like, "You're exactly what I was looking for, and you really exist. I can't believe it. You're that sadist who I've always wanted." And so they they backpedal on everything that they said when they couldn't handle it. Yeah, right. And so I think that there is a time and a place for everything. Yeah. But when you're in that venue, you're in that time, you're in that place, and it doesn't resonate, then, and you've done it, like I've done this with a few people. It's not just one person. Yeah. Where they've said, oh, I love how sadistic you can be. I love how humiliating you can be. But then all of a sudden, it's too much. Mm-hmm. Right. So it has me step back and reflect and think, maybe I don't have a venue where I can be that sadist. Maybe I don't have a space where I can play. Maybe I don't have a place where I can be me in that moment. And it's kind of a sad place to be. It's a lonely place to be. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people who identify as a slave or a submissive that live in vanilla land don't feel that they're heard or they're understood maybe by their wife, their partner, whoever that might be. And when the, that partner realizes, oh, they're not a manly man, well, I don't accept you. Or you want to dress like a girl, I don't accept you because that's just weird. Yeah. Well, I feel that same thing when I want to be sadistic mm-hmm. and somebody thinks I'm weird or I'm I'm too much to handle. You know, it goes, goes for me too, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean... <laughs> I think in a, in a way, too, it, it did take me a little while to realize and accept that part of you, too. Yeah, and that's really hard, actually, for a person who... I'm always trying to be accepting of everybody else. Yeah, I know. But it doesn't go for me. 
And that's kind of hard because, you know, there's a lot of things that you and I have done and discussed and I've grown with you in. Yeah. And it, it's not been easy to adjust to. And I've been able to communicate that and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I've always said, this doesn't mean I don't want you to do it. This just means I'm, I just need to understand how we can do it where it works for both of us. Yeah. Because I think in relationships, when you stifle somebody's sexuality in whatever form that might look like, and if it's not hurting anybody, why not be a little bit open-minded to it? Yeah, exactly. Right? Have that open mind to be able to have that open conversation. It doesn't mean that your relationship is over. No, far from it. Right? The foundation is still there. It's just, I just want to sprinkle in a little bit of sadism or I want to sprinkle in a bit of cuckolding. Yeah. Or I want to sprinkle in some, you know, cross-dressing. I want to sprinkle in some panty wearing or nylon wearing. And I don't want to be judged. Yeah, exactly. Right? I think for sadists, judgment is the biggest problem. Yeah, yeah, and I could see where that comes from. I mean, you, you, you feel it's not a norm to be a sadistic person. Well, it's easier to call somebody who's a sadist a monster. It's not yeah. it's not as easy to call somebody who's submissive a monster. Yeah, exactly. You just yeah. say that they're submissive. Yeah. But then you've got a partner who's, who says to you, Oh, by the way, yeah, I am dominant, but I also feel sadist feelings. Yeah. And suddenly the relationship is over and that person can't, I don't know, they they don't understand and they don't want to understand because they think, who am I in a partnership with, a psychopath? Yeah. And that's dangerous territory because- Yeah, it is. And not the psychopath. I'm not saying that they are a psychopath. I'm saying it's dangerous because you are putting- a very bad label. Mm-hmm. That's a bad label. It is. On it, somebody. It's very, yeah. That's a that's an illness. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking at your partner as is suddenly in the new light, mm-hmm. right? Or a new darkness. And you're judging them. Yeah. So I have to say to everybody, unless your part if your partner is abusing you non consensually and that's toxic. Yeah. Get out of it. Try to reach out for help, reach out for support. Okay. That kind of partnership is not healthy. Yeah. And if you're not okay with having somebody in your life that is an ethical sadist or ethical dom, then you have to find a new partner. That's the bottom line. If it doesn't make you comfortable, you got to look within and say, well, why is this not making me comfortable? Yeah. Are they adapting for me? Yeah. So there's another, that, that's another thing. I mean, it, it, you have to, uh, even in a DS relationship, there's always going to be, um, concessions, right? You always have to, you always have to adapt to the other person. I mean, you, you have to adapt to each other. Yeah. I mean, you're not going, you're never going to have people who match up 100% in their fetishes in the, in the BDSM community. It almost never happens. So 
you have to make the concessions here and there with certain things. I mean, you don't give up your morals. No, exactly. Your you don't moral give up standards. Your, you don't give up your morals, but you you make a. I, I can't really think of any kind of example, but you make up little little concessions here and there, like. Yeah, but you also have to ask you, uh, yourself, okay, what are my moral standards? So if your moral standards are based on religion or based on upbringing, are those balanced, right? Um, are you more monogamous than you are a, a multi-partner person? You know, is that your moral standing? What is your moral standing? Is it, what is it based on, upon? And so that's something that we as individuals have to look at and say, you know, is my relationship worth giving up for 10% of what I'd like to do? And if I have to never be sadistic with anybody ever again in my life, then so be it. I, I mean, I don't ever have to do that ever again. Um, if that means I'm going to lose the partner that I love. Right. And I think that that's where some sadists do make concessions for their partner and for what they want and don't want. And I think as a Dom, we do consider our partners more than, than the subs consider the Doms because, you know, a Dom is there as a service top in a lot of ways. They're servicing a bottom and, if you're a true service-minded slave, then you want to worship, you want to serve, you want to offer yourself in service to your dom. And that takes sacrifice just as, you know, somebody like me, I'm willing to sacrifice my sadism to make you feel yeah, comfortable. That, that's, I don't know if that was really what I was talking about. Um, no, but it is part of the discussion. It is part of the discussion. I mean, so this is what I mean about concessions and uh, and stuff. Y you got to assess like, okay, so, and we've had discussions about this where you've said, okay, well, like go to an event and try to negotiate, like before an event or something and negotiate with someone about doing that kind of thing or well, you know, and and I and I would say if you asked me that a year ago, I wouldn't have been really all all that okay with it. But I mean, when you think about it, that's kind of stupid on my behalf because you're doing it anyway, pro doming. So, <laughs> so so I'm getting to... off. So basically, in in line of that with what you're saying, I'm getting myself off basically. Yeah, in a scene where it's consenting. Yeah. And I'm getting my sadistic thrill. Yes. And it it's not even necessarily a sexual thing because I didn't do like penetrative things like sexual with me, like nobody touched me. Yeah, yeah. It was a powerful sadism. So I was getting off in my sessions and feeling great afterwards and we had a relationship, everything's fine and dandy. Yeah. But now I don't get that. Yeah, and that's why and that's why I had to make that I had to evaluate my feelings on that too. And I had to sit there and look at yours and say, "Okay, yeah, and you describe and you we had to talk about it uh I, I don't know if 
I would say maybe a month and a half, two months ago. About. Yeah, there was a time actually. Um, I remember it specifically, actually. Yeah. Because that's you, when I told you exactly what I wanted. Yeah, you brought it up to me and I was like, and I had, and like I said, this is where it was hard for me, where it was difficult for me because I, I didn't really understand it. And so I think we discussed it a little bit more and I gave it more thought and everything. And when I start, when I started to give it more thought, then I was like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. You, that's a part of you that you need. And so what, like, what does it hurt? Have like, let, like, uh, you going out and doing that, like to someone, I mean, well, and, and I would be with you there anyway. I mean, you would be part of the scene in that what I wanted, this is what I proposed, what I proposed was I was going to go to an event, which ended up, I didn't end up going to because I, the, the person who was running the event, she got defensive and because my questions, I was just pre-negotiating my sadist scene, which I wanted to have with multiples. Yeah. And Bunny, I had asked Bunny you know, in mentioning this, I want you to be my partner in that you hold the the tools you clean the tools he was not going to be my assistant and almost kind of be the dm too the dungeon master yeah additional, additional so they master. had their own dungeon master people their collective their group whatever that took part in 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 watching scenes yeah. but those ones are like those dms are actually responsible for the entire play floor, which we don't know how big it was. Yeah, and I'm not so going to put that on people. So they have to watch every single one of them. In this scene, it would have been more of, it would have been me watching specifically our scene to really just make sure. Govern. Govern it. Make sure everything was going going down properly. Well, because the, the wonderful thing about you, and this is why I confided in you, and I think this is what happens with a lot of subs and doms and such and people in BDSM. And, you know, you confide in your partner and you say, I really want to do this because they know you better than anybody else does. Yeah. And so I said, look, you know, would you be cool, cool with me going to an event and just doing a sadist scene? As a, as a method for me to decompress, de-stress. Yes. And for me, it's therapeutic in that I get those sadistic feelings and desires attended to mm -hmm. and served by somebody who can handle it. Yeah. And in, in, the, in the fashion that I want to express it. So the person receiving can handle what I'm giving emotionally, yeah. physically, Etc. So we kind of negotiated that I wanted to do a scene with multiple slaves who have that mindset. Yeah. So I was going to put out on Fat Life that I was searching for people who wanted to be under me for a scene like that. And Bunny would be my assistant because I can't rely on a dungeon master and their attendant watching 10 other people. As I am sadistic with five people. Yeah, because again... It's just like, not logical. Again, because this would be more intense than 
probably your more your average scene, right? In in a lot of ways. So you wanted to make sure that everyone was safe, including yourself. And that's why that emphasizes the the prime example here of a person who I'm taking everything into account. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I go into that dungeon space wherever they assign us, right? Like she was going to have a certain area where we could use, we could use to to do this. And everything was accounted for. I would pre-negotiate with each slave. I'm able to retain a lot of information yeah. in my mind when it comes to those type of scenes. So yes. because I practice, so I've got experience in in knowing what is a hard limit for one person and not for the next. Well, pro-doming and everything you had to, you pretty much had to have that, those mental notes because you couldn't just walk around, couldn't walk around in the scene with the notebook. and No. And I, even before a scene, I would always run through yeah. the, those notes again in my mind and on paper, like what somebody told me were the, the hard limits, soft limits and no limits. You have to keep, going over them over and over again. And yeah. and if you're new to this, I'd say it can't hurt to have a blackboard or a whiteboard that's a, that where you have all these things listed. Yeah. You know, because there are certain, like one person, I've had it where someone on the left side can't be played on their left side with impact tools because they have an injury or whatever. And if you forget that in, the, in a scene, you're outside of consent. Yeah. And you've gone outside of hard limit. And that's a big no-no. So... I'm able to retain that information. Yeah. But to have a person there that knows each individual, and I would say to Bunny, well, that person makes sure we mark off on their back with a you know, piece of red duct tape, a certain no zone, right? That's another way you can do it is if somebody has a no zone, you can go on with duct tape. I used to do that in sessions too. I put some duct tape on them to make sure that it, when I'm in the heated moment you know the scene i'm i'm whipped up in the moment my eye goes to that spot it's like nope i don't go there yeah right you know to avoid so it. you can be super intelligent but forget yeah yeah in the moment you can definitely forget things right yeah if you cover all the bases then you don't have to worry that you're going to slip yeah anyway i think we've talked this thing through inside and out but the main gist of it was at the end of the day that party didn't happen and yeah you know we kind of went through a period where i felt sort of ashamed for even mentioning it to you yeah i mean it came it's i don't know it just the way it came out or came up i just felt sad or something about it i kind of felt yeah you just didn't want to talk about it you weren't talking to me anymore well and, no, it was more of the fact that it, it, i felt felt like I wasn't enough, I guess, but then but then we talked about it more and then I was like, okay, I I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, you needed time to process it. Yeah. Which is fine, just like I needed time to process cucking, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think I said that to you um when uh when we talked about it again, I was like, yeah, just like you needed time to. Yeah. It's just, it's important that how we translate that is done in a healthy way. Because yeah. if you stop talking to your partner or you seem angry, then that's an immediate 
basically it's like slamming the door on a situation. Yeah. And whereas if you're, you just say, no, no, I still want you to do it. Just don't give up. I just, I'm just thinking about this and that. I have questions. That's a healthier way to go about it. Um, versus looking at somebody like she's a monster. Well, it wasn't for me. It wasn't that it was more of just, I felt, I don't know, depressed or bummed out about. Yeah. And that the perception of somebody being depressed by that is like, Ooh, I'm. Yeah. I get that. I'm weird. Right. I'm not, I'm not right in the head. And, uh, I think it was, again, looking back at it, it was more of like, it was more from my side looking at it. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm, like I can't provide enough or something like. Yeah. Well, I had the same thing with the cooking. It's like, yeah. Oh, so you don't want to have sex with me anymore. You want other men to have sex with me. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It goes both ways. No, I get it. And I could have just said it's the end of our relationship. Yeah. And that was the, uh, that was definitely the worry why it took a while to. And that's why open being open and being able to talk and so that's why I felt safe to talk to you about how I felt. Yeah. Right? It opened the way, the path for me to be able to feel safe. Yeah. But we can't shut those paths down again. No. Because then you think, well, I'm going out of my way for you. Yeah. And I'm making it, I'm turning it into something that's enjoyable for both of us. Yes. So why can't I have the same? Yeah, exactly. Right? So you were more open to it once you realize that you're still my primary slave that didn't change your position or your role in my life. Yeah. And just as I realized that, well, if you're not cool with cucking and you feel bad that you're not good enough, then I don't have to be a cuckold. Then that's cool too. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's never an easy conversation. No, no. And everybody's reactions are different based on how they were brought up and how they, Mm -hmm react to different situations, right? Yes. So I think it's healthy always to talk about it. And I think it's important that we talk about how we manage these situations so that others realize that they're not going through anything that's unusual. Yeah. It's normal. Keep the dialogue open. To go through these what ifs and well, why doesn't he and why doesn't she and well, I'm doing this, but why won't do they do that? I mean, there are imbalances in relationships. Let's be real. Yeah. Right? I think life is full of imbalance in relationships. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of men in that scenario where their wife is getting satisfied in every which way. And all they're expected to do is say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, whatever you say, ma'am, and go work and provide. But they want to wear panties and that's a big taboo. Come on. Yeah. Right. So we need to elevate ourselves and enrich ourselves so that there's some balance. Yeah. You know, and again, that's where communication comes in. You got to like open dialogue, talk about it. Yes. So no sadists are not psychopaths. No. Let's answer that right away. Yeah. And people who are masochists who enjoy sadists aren't weird or love to be abused. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know? Yeah, if I was in an abusive relationship, I would just be like, well, I mean, 
I couldn't say exactly what I would do, but I would try to put an end to it. Yeah, I mean, if we're not in a healthy relationship or it's not, it doesn't fit, then you find something that does. Yeah, exactly. And some people have such high expectations that nobody's good enough and they're alone for the rest of their life. Yeah. So are you willing to move a little bit? Well, that's what I mean about the concessions too, right? That that ability to be flexible and move a little bit. Yeah. And you might find that you enjoy that. You enjoy seeing your dom being sadistic with somebody else. I think that's the thing. It's like I I think I enjoy I enjoy seeing it being done with other people. I don't necessarily enjoy like that open thing with myself. I guess. I think And that's, and that's everybody my... has their limits. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think I could, but at the same time it's just like I know that it is that yeah, it just seems to open up old wounds. Yes. So Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. And I never want to do that. I don't want no. to come and scratch that scab and pull it off. Yeah. And I understand that's not that. my, that's not my cup of tea. I understand that. And I understand that that's where you were coming from when you decided you wanted to do this. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it wouldn't be, there wouldn't be any kind of a, an attachment to anybody I did this to. It would be, yeah. Mutually, ex- um, mutually satisfying mm-hmm. in that moment. Yeah, but yeah, it's not a sexual relationship. No, it's it's merely a physical interaction, and even emotionally, there wouldn't be much going on either. No, right? Because my my sadist doesn't really need to that emotional attachment. I don't need to be attached to somebody emotionally to be a sadist. Yeah, you know, um, I can still be empathetic. That's separate, but I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not, I don't want to be violent with somebody just for the sake of being violent. Yeah. I don't want to draw blood because I love the sight of blood. It's, yeah. You know, I, I don't want to hurt anybody. I, I want to do something that's within a, the confines of a, a safe, sane, consensual interaction. And the majority of people in, in this, on this planet may not understand it. No. They might love watching it. Mm-hmm. Right. They might love, I mean, I love watching a boot scene with somebody who is an extremely loving man, but boy, oh boy, can he be a mean son of a bitch when he's using those boots. But the people underneath him are loving it. Yeah. Like they are, they're pretty much orgasming from his boot play and he's stomping on them and they love it. Right. But he's giving them aftercare Mm -hmm. when it's finished and they love him even more afterwards. That's what I want. Yeah. You know, I want somebody to love what happened. So I think we covered a few things and hopefully so. it's been beneficial to the listening public. I think so. I think we uh we covered quite a bit and we're uh Yeah. And you know, we're all growing. I'm growing and you're growing and that's beautiful. Yeah. You know, we don't want to stunt that beauty and no. stop watering that. Stop learning. You know, and I learn something every time I talk and I every time I listen to you, I learn. Yeah. Right. 
So in the meantime, uh, thank you for joining again, Bunny. <laughs> thank you for having me, Mike Wayne. Always, always love having you. <laughs> and uh, until next time, uh, you can go to my podcast for more information. You can find my socials and my affiliates on the podcast and on Linktree slash Chastity Queen. There's a little writing about me and about my background on my link tree as well, PDF you can read. If you'd like to tribute me just for being me, thank you. The details and instructions are on my link tree as well. Just e-transfer, that's all I accept. Uh, but your information is kept private if you want to send me a tribute. I don't get them often, but if you'd like to be the first <laughs> or the second or the third <laughs> and so on, then do that and... Helps I will. us with the show. It does. It does. Right now it's kind of organic and free flowing. Yeah. But I like it. I'd like eventually to have a little space of my own where I can go and sit and have it all set up and ready to go. Yes. Which I don't have yet. And I don't foresee that happening for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an artist as well. And I'd love to have a stu art studio again. Yeah. But I can't, beggars can't be choosy. So yeah. this is what you get. We have this that is... uh, we have that divergence too in equipment too. Uh, if you can't tell the the voice yeah. quality between my queen and myself. <laughs> well, I try to edit so that it's smooth, but eh, it's not perfect. But yeah, nothing is in life, right? Yeah. Anyway, thank you for listening, everybody, and uh, happy Halloween. Hope you have a good day, and until next time, so long. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>